Today's episode of the Car Podcast. We discuss the new Nissan Terra, the Ferrari 488 Pista, the Porsche 911 GT3 RS, and the Hyundai Santa Fe. We also get behind the wheel of the new Toyota Yaris and discuss ABB's new Formula E racer. How's it going guys? Welcome to another episode of the Car Podcast. Joining me today is editor Steve Smith. Hello. Senior Associate Editor Ian McLaren. Hi And Features Writer Wilhelm Luther-Johams. Hi guys. So we haven't actually driven much this past few days, but there's been a lot of car reveals that we're going to talk about today. So we're going to start off with the Nissan Terra. It is a Navarro-based SUV that's going to be hitting the Chinese market later in 2018. It's going to be taking on cars that somewhat dominate the South African market, such as the Toyota Fortuna, Ford Everest, and lesser so, the Mitsubishi Pajero Sport, and he's soon to arrive Isuzu MUX. Steve, you were at the plant with the KV is going to be built and you heard some information about the MUX and you were there. Uh, what do you make of this one? Yeah, it's uh, looks this in South Africa haven't confirmed that the car's coming here yet and they say they will be looking at it, but I mean it's a bit of a no-brainer surely. Um, it's for the Chinese market so far um, and they're looking at a, uh, a version suitable for the sub-Saharan market they say, but I'm pretty sure it will come here. I like the look of it. Um, you know, we, we all have fond memories of the Pathfinder in this market. I think that has um, good brand cachet. Um, obviously based in Navarra. It's got a slightly restyled nose, which I think looks actually a lot better than Navarra's. Um, I think Nissan will do well to transplant that onto a facelift at Navarra at some point. Um, yeah, I think the big question here is going to be what, uh, what the suspension's like. I mean, that, that was a talking point on Navarra. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think... Uh, um well, you know, there's talks that they might, if they do bring it in, um, or maybe it's just our speculation that they'll call it Pathfinder, but uh, here's something for consideration. Maybe they call it a Sani. Um, <laughs> hark back to some fun memories of the first um, yeah. bucky-based SUVs. Uh, yeah, I think in terms of suspension, um, as we found with most of these uh, bucky-based SUVs, I think the, the, the added weight of the, um, the body and, and um, having the the boot and the tailgate actually helps the suspensions on this um, this vehicle so it actually adds um, a bit of weight and, and, and firms the rear down so yeah certainly a promising prospect I think they do well to bring it in um, I think Fortuna's had it's had things its own way for a while I think the success of the Everest uh, the relative success shows that people are keen for, for um, alternatives um, yeah it should be interesting uh, year ahead if Isuzu gets MUX pricing right um, and then I suppose it'll be left to VW to see whether they can bring anything or the Atlas or something like that. Well, if Nissan brings this in, surely Mercedes-Benz can make a plan. Yeah. Oh, well, I know they think they're too premium for something like this. Well, I mean, if it's SUV, I wouldn't be surprised if they cash in as well. Yeah, I think maybe they'd be worried that it gets on, on the heels of some of the other products, but I suppose if they can get the pricing right, which that would be another interesting uh, exercise. Look, Mercedes-Benz look to fill every single niche that they can at the moment, so this would certainly add another uh, another arrow to their to their quiver there. Uh, I mean, they've got everything covered on, on off-road from some some something relatively soft right through to G-Class, so this would this would probably slot in. Yeah. Good point for them. I, I wonder. Um, I'm pretty sure that the that the the big wigs at Mercedes-Benz are, are looking very really closely at this. 
Yeah. Well, I'm meeting them next week at Geneva Show. So That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Watch the space. Well, see how comfortable they look. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I my poker, my poker. Just uh, avoid, avoid the AMG question. They seem to be quite touchy about X-Class AMG questions. Yeah. I'll leave that till after the SUV <laughs> question. So uh, we're going to find out more about this car in April. But we've got some comments already on Facebook re regarding this. We're going to go through them. Uh, JL Lubisi says, Fortuna can relax if Nissan Navara can't dent the Hilux sales. This is almost non-existent to Fortuna. Uh, basically saying that it's not going to be enough to compete. Well, like I said, we'll find out more in April. But I kind of disagree there. I think a Navara-based SUV might have more of an impact on the Fortuna than, say, the Navara would have on the Hilux at the moment. Yeah, I think, like I said, the more options, the better. And I think there's certainly some uh, diehard Nissan fans that would uh, appreciate having the option. Malusi Paella says, the Japanese-Korean SUV segment is getting congested. While we, wait for, while we are waiting for the MUX, now the rebirth of the Pathfinder. Um, so basically saying it's getting a bit saturated. Uh, I, would, I would agree with that. I, mean, I think uh, for a consumer, the more options, the better. Mm -hmm. It certainly um, helps with pricing as well. So if there's, at the moment, as we know, there's a pricing war between uh, um, Toyota and Ford on, on mm. both Fortuna, on both the Bucky's and the SUV. So if someone else can come in there and shake it up a little bit, um, if, if MUX from Suzu and, and Terra or Pathfinder or whatever it's called can come in at a good price point, I think that's a good thing for everybody. Do we know if uh, Fortuna and Everest use any of the export credits for those? In terms of pricing, because I don't know if Nissan has those advantages here in South Africa. Yeah, well, it will have export credits for oh, the cars yeah, so, so, so yeah, they, they should be able to uh, bring in a competitive price. And the last uh, comment by Jason Honeywell says Dubai had the exterior many years ago, it was a great SUV. Always wish they bought it here. Glad it finally is. Well, like I said, it's not actually confirmed for South Africa yet, but it's probably an open issue to definitely see it. Next up, something a bit quicker than the Terror is the Ferrari 488 Pista. This is the extensive weight saving solution for the 488. I believe it's going to be the Speciale. Uh, Valera, you've probably driven more Ferraris than any of us here. What do you make of this one? Uh, Nikesh, I love these type of cars. Like I think most of us sitting around the table do. Um, yes, they've started with the um, yeah, sort of the 360 Challenge Stradale before the, the 348, um, which wasn't a, sort of a big success or many made, but um, and they continue with that with the 430 and the 458. And goodness, I mean, 530 kilowatts, 770 newton meters, 90 kgs less than the 488 GTB. Um, I think it looks great. There's not a fixed wing. Um, can clearly move but yeah I think it looks spectacular what do you guys think I find it amazing that they can shape 90 kilograms off of a 488 I almost wonder whether when they develop 488 they leave that kind of margin on purpose because a 488 surely then could be could also weigh 1280 kilograms yeah. so they've obviously um, thought ahead but 90 kilograms is significant it's a lot um, yeah it's like yeah. me and half a bit more. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, if we get some tests, I don't think I'd be able to sit passenger and yeah. just throw the whole car off. Yeah. No, I mean, you're used to seeing this kind of weight saving on an SUV from one model to mm. the next, but um, on a sports car, that's, that's, that's lighter really, that's a significant number. 
Um, so interesting aerodynamics. I'm looking at these pictures here on the nose and also the rear. That, that nose that looks a little different to me as well. Mm. Sort of dips. Uh, yeah. I guess there are some radiators in front yeah. because it dips down before the front bumper. I mean, the front, the top of the front bumper almost looks like a wing now. Yeah. Mm. You would wonder if any other manufacturer could get away with that. I mean, that's that just looks so out there. Mm. It looks so right on a Ferrari. Mm. You wonder if another brand tried tried that, they wouldn't get all roasted. Are you, but are you I mean, safety regulation, uh, pedestrian safety issues there? Yeah, yeah I'm always concerned about that, especially cyclists. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I take it away personally. I don't think it looks that extreme. I think it looks. Uh, no, yeah, but like yeah, but in case you also raised about the McLaren Senna. The Senna, so. okay, yeah, yeah, that is that is extreme, but I think that fits the profile. I think mm. this fits pro the profile as well. I think if you put it next to a four eight eight, you can tell. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, but at a quick glance, I think it looks alright. I don't think it's too dramatic. I think it's. I don't say it's subtle. I just say it fits the profile of the no, picture, I, whatever. I agree with you. Yeah, I like the looks of it. Um, I mean, the zero to one hundred spin time as well is crazy. Two point eight five seconds. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, they're getting seriously quick, um, and also whenever you look at times like that, you also think of what uh, Tesla are claiming for the little roadster. Yeah, yeah 1.9 and seconds. And you think, well, 2.85 is pretty yes. quick, and your eyeballs tend to sink mm. a bit deeper in your head at those speeds, so mm. what is 1.9 seconds, if it's even feasible, going to feel like? Yeah, if you can survive with G-force on that, well. Um, just as quick, or probably... Um, around the track just as quick will be the Porsche GT3 RS. Uh, this one's got 15 more kilowatts than the standard GT3 with the same flat 6 4 litre engine driving all the way to 9000 RPM. I've never experienced a GT3 but three of you guys really rave about this mm -hmm. car quite a bit so what do you make of this one? Who drove the first, the, the, the previous generation GT3 RS? I did. Um, we had a, um, in the pictures online I actually have a green car and I think we had one before, but the last GT3 RS we had, uh, Porsche South Africa's test unit was green. And I remember it had a number plate Kermit GP, which wasn't phenomenal to drive around Cape Town in. But um, in terms of, in terms of um, other people looking at you, but it was a phenomenal car to drive. Um, a bit more uncompromising, uh, obviously track focused, um, so firmer to drive than the, the standard car. Um, I actually remember thinking I prefer the standard car just as an everyday drive but I mean certainly RS is for the track um, and you know it's almost a pity when you see the interior fix that this comes with a sat nav screen and an aircon I think if you're serious about a GDC RS is the kind of thing that you would delete mm. aircon uh, radio uh, you'd get the full um, club sport package so they'll put in a um, six point seat belt uh, the roll cage and a fire extinguisher I think those are the guys that are serious about RS otherwise you for me, you'd rather get a, a standard car. Mm. Yeah, Steve, you drove the, the GT3. Do you, um, do you agree with Ian there? These things should be deleted, or do you think there's some space for aircons and infotainments in a car like this? No, I think I would agree with Ian that, look, you also have to be a little bit realistic about how how much power you can use on the road, and I think a GT, the standard GT3 um, is approaching the limits of that. Um, and. You know, you, you can't really drive a car quicker on the road, and that's such a phenomenal sports car. It really is that um, versatile. I think if you were going to go for this, you might as well go all out and um, go for the, the track focus package. Yeah. Well, Adam, you and I have several conversations on how Porsche are making quite a bit of special editions of the 911. Uh, you always say that I'd rather get a GT3. Uh, with the GT3 RS, still, would you rather get a GT3? I would, but 
I just think the jump from the previous, um, I could say, to the previous one, or from the previous one to this one, isn't that big. Well, they they never are, but um, maybe I shouldn't say that because this one's got, I mean, it's like parts from the GT2 RS, the the intakes and the front and the new wheel. So maybe we must wait until we hopefully drive it. But I'm just looking at the price and trying to figure out if I sell my house and we've. <laughs> a, a caravan we can maybe make it work um, <laughs> what's the towing capacity of this <laughs> that's the problem I'll have to live in a caravan park but um, yeah I, I think I love it I mean in one week we've seen the sort of the base from Ferrari and Porsche um, and that's great I'm glad they're still building these cars what I noticed is that you can't get this uh, in manual yeah well that suits the um, again it's a track based car so you know, all of the manufacturers now are saying, well, for ultimate lap times, you want PDK, you wouldn't be able to shift quicker in a manual. So um, I'm glad that they still offer manual in the, in the normal GD3 and, and some of the other cars, um, just for the enthusiast and, and the purist, so to speak. But these guys are chasing lap times now, and to get lap times, you want um, PDK and uh, fast PDKs. So, um, yeah, that, that's the way forward in terms of setting lap records. And this is going to set you back 3.2. Two million, just a little bit more than that. What, what, there's no pricing on this uh, 488 piece of Ferrari. No, that's uh, probably like five, five, six, yeah. six or more. Okay. So maybe uh, you can get two uh, GT3 RSs for the price of uh, that Ferrari. Or you could get uh, an AMG GTR and maybe a C43 as well. Yeah. Or just a little bit more. You were that way inclined. <laughs> I think the GTR is a pretty good car, but obviously I don't have the entrance point. Price aside, which ones would you guys take? Ferrari or Porsche in the Ferrari. Ferrari? Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Torn. I think I'd go the Porsche. Very difficult. Mm. Well, less exciting than that is the uh, Hyundai Santa Fe. Um, this and the Sorento, we were saying we're confused, don't really do that well in South Africa. So the new one, um, it's going to be going to production in the second quarter of next year, 2018. They say this is going to offer more interior space, but it's still going to have the naturally aspirated 2.4 litre engine. There's also a turbocharged 2 litre that's coming, and a 3.5 litre V6, which we probably won't get here if this car arrives here, and then the 2 litre and 2.2 litre turbo diesels as well. Um, yeah, Ian, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, the, uh, the, the previous, well, the, I suppose that the current generation until this one comes, Sorento and um, Santa Fe must be a huge, um, must be very impressive second-hand buys because they, they offer so much value, a lot of space. Yeah, I stand corrected, but I think they're all seven-seaters. Mm. Um, yeah, they've always impressed me. I had a long-term Kia Sorento for a year, and it was a great car. Um, so, yeah, I'm a bit torn on the styling of the new Santa Fe. I think, for me, it looks a bit Peugeot, um, certainly a bit French in its design, front and rear. It's not a bad thing, though. I mean, no, not a bad it's thing. I don't think... You know, it's a Beautiful car. I don't think he needed to go this extreme, <laughs> and uh, this extreme with the styling. Um, but yeah, it certainly makes a bold statement. Um, yeah, and it seems like Hyundai on the right path, and Kia on the right path at the moment in terms of design, spec, and and the the, the product they're bringing. The only slight question mark I'd have is the the engines that we get in our market. I think the the problem is South Africans will buy Hyundai or Kia. It's 
three, four hundred thousand. Mm. When you get to five, six hundred thousand, sort of, yeah. yo, I can get a BMW, Audi, etc. In South Africa, that's how, that's how South Africans think. But yeah, I agree. I, it's a beautiful looking car. It seems to be luxurious inside, but yes, rather a two liter turbo or two point two turbo than a two point four naturally aspirated. Yeah, I think that the Koreans always battle with with. Uh, I mean, I think their own ambitions to move further up market, and they've certainly done it with almost every single car that they've made. Particularly in the SUVs, you can see them really get more and more luxurious. They've done it with some of their big sedans, which have not sold, especially in our market. Mm. And and we we can see the previous Santa Fe didn't sell it too well, and this does look like a step up. Um, I don't know. It's a pity though, because this looks like a really good car, and judging by the quality of what they're producing these days, there's um, there's very little in this. I think for them, their big task, and, and we've seen it with Tucson and Sportage in terms of uh, relative sales, is value for money. So if you can get the pricing right, mm. you get bums in seats, and that's what they need. So they get the styling is one thing, so get attract people to the dealership, get people to drive them, and then be impressed. So you know, I think that's that'll be their biggest thing, to get the pricing right, um, and hopefully get the drivetrain combinations right. I think a big thing with cars like these also the feeling you get from the interior design, quality of it as well. Um, do you think, judging by this image, do you think that it, it, it makes that uh, for the customer, it makes it feel special? Yeah, I mean a big thing will be whether that infotainment system which looks so good on this picture makes it to our market because some of the, um, sometimes they don't quite get the same European spec infotainment systems here and then if they do bring it, what will they have included? So will it have things like sat lamp and things like that? So, even on a Tucson in the previous IX35s and things like that, you've driven them in Europe and they have massive touchscreens with SatNav yeah, and the, the products that they, they're able to bring here don't quite match that. So, yeah, I think it'll all be about what kind of value they can, they can offer. For me, it's just the, the leather that they use. I mean, I'm all for synthetic leather, right? but when it feels very, very bonded, very plasticky, that's what turns me off. And what I noticed from Korean cars is that you can tell immediately. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I mean, each, each to them. See, there's, there's, there's our comments on Facebook and there's some discussion around uh, the nose and uh, those squinty eyes that uh, pioneered by Jeep Cherokee is now taking a big step backwards if you look at the facelift on the Cherokees now onto more conventional lines. Yeah. Um, Cherokee's even gone away with that with a new car, mm -hmm. so it's mm -hmm. funny that they've mm -hmm. used it. Other comments, Keenan James says the old one still looks better, the interior looks good. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually like this one. I don't, I don't see the Peugeot resemblance that much, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but then again, the, my question on opinions of car designs isn't really taking an idea of the I think the, the, especially the, the mesh design of the grille and the shape of the grille possibly are very Peugeot for me. And also, look at the rear lamp treatment, the little notch on the side there, that, that looks particularly Peugeot to me. Okay. But that's about it. I mean, you know, look then again, I think if you look at profile on any SUV, any segment, they're almost exactly the same, given um, aerodynamics and, and pedestrian protection requirements. Well, something from the East as well is a car that Berlin, you've driven. Um, uh, technically, it's from Thailand. It's the new Toyota Yaris. What do you have to tell us about that? Yes, so we drove it in KZN outside Durban. Uh, like you said, it is a well. It's not a totally new car. It's been available overseas for in certain markets for a year or two. Um, what is good about it? It's a new platform, so there is 
compared to with like say a polo there's masses of space in the back which is great um, still got the 1.5 litre engine 5 speed manual or the CBT and um, yeah you need to rev it out to get the best from it um, it is it's just a bit the quality like I mean it, it doesn't probably is going to be that important for a lot of people but like the boot I opened the boot and there's like this felt like material on top of cardboard mm. <laughs> yeah and that is so I'm, I'm sorry you're going to put something on there it can be a water bottle or suitcase and it's just going to move around and within 500 kilometers that material is going to be in pieces so some stuff like that really annoyed me and um, that like the USB jacks is in the infotainment system high in, in the dashboard. Mm. So if you're gonna charge something or connect something, your phone it's gonna be in the your phone needs to be in the cup holder below the dashboard. So little stuff that was sort of irritating. But like I say, Toyota said the customers asked for a bigger car, they supplied it. It is gonna be I think in the segment it's gonna be the most spacious car. It rides well, it went through KZNs, rural, rural roads, um, and yet in that way it's impressive. Um, so yeah, sort of a mixed first reaction, we have to put it to test with its competitors. And the transmission, so with the CBT? The CBT was not great, I mean, okay, we were two male adults in the car, mm. um, but when you put your foot down, that first two, three thousand RPM, it, it's really really slow and I mean I drive a CBT now almost daily yes it's a it's a 1.5 turbo but it's a huge SUV and it's way quicker mm. so off the mark the CBT is not great but when you're gonna be stuck in traffic that's probably the gearbox you want and the five-speed is as slick as before mm. I mean I was on launch for the the Yaris that was before this and that was the 1.5 liter with a bit more power than this though, but I'm guessing it's probably the same engine. You I think it's the same engine, maybe the, the stats are just slightly different, but yeah, it's the same engine they, they, yeah. they carry over. Um, What's interesting for me is that um, they say the customers wanted a bigger car, but I think the Yaris, it's getting to a size now where it's almost filling, in, it's almost in between where first Yaris was and where Aura started. Yeah, it's very, very close to Aura. So maybe that's maybe this will work for Toyota in terms of uh, appealing to you know the guys that were on the fence between Yaris was too small and Aura's or Rynex was too dull because yeah, yeah. it hasn't been selling. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, there's a car, I mean, there's a, uh, it doesn't look bad, it looks, um, it looks modern enough, it fits a little bit fussy up front, but it'll be interesting to get it up against the likes of Apollo and the new Fiesta. Mm. I think like you say, quality will be, um, highlighted or the lack of quality was comparable to like the polo but um yeah certainly i think south africans are craving uh, you know the likes of what the conquest and the and they used to do so maybe this is what they needed the thing is the infotainment system although we didn't play with it a lot but um it's got the smartphone integration smartphone integration um and that's important especially yeah. for for the youth so yeah we'll have to see i i i um, I'm not convinced by the styling at all. I must say, um, it looks it looks very. Uh, I wouldn't even say Eastern, kind of Southeast Asian to me. I agree with you fully. There's way there are way too many um, sort of things going on on the nose. It looks like someone's kind of. 
<laughs> karachi kung fu style of, of, of automotive design it's very busy um also the you know it, it looks it looks almost like it wants to be a little crossover i think if you, you know, there is a cross version right yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. Uh, the, the car looks much more composed uh, a much more sort of settled design with some roof racks and a little bit of cladding on it yeah. and a little bit of a raised um, ride height so this looks like a, it's wanting to be a more crossover i think it's a more successful design there uh, yeah, I also had a chat to Toyota saying like, what you know, why? What are the reasons for bringing this this um, one design in the east as opposed to the the one made in France, designed for a European market? They, one of the things they said was that uh, the market, apart from wanting a bigger car, also uh, felt that it was a bit too feminine a design the previous one, and that this one perhaps had more appeal to uh, more of a male market or just had more broader appeal. Okay, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, that's. But an odd one. I mean, I'd say that the Igo maybe would have mm. more of a feminine appeal than the previous Yaris. I think besides anything, that, I mean, they'll say the customer wanted a bigger size and a, and a less feminine looking car, but I think everything will come down to pricing and mm. value for money. So perhaps they can get this, well, obviously they can get this one at a cheaper rate, mm. put some more spec in it, uh, and hopefully it sells well. Yeah. No, that's bad. I think at, at this, for this segment, pricing is everything in our market at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting a chance to test this, especially in the sport room. Uh, Ian, hopefully we can do a pay up with this in the, the jazz sport that you <laughs> drove. Yeah, hopefully, um, I feel like I have a, a cold coming on today. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll plan it out there in a few days. Maybe do a test on the on, on South as far as the CVT. That's actually not a bad idea. Jack, then? This will be a thrilling day out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, I feel for um, for the likes of Honda and Toyota, because those are the only it's the only option they have is a CVT, mm. and certainly um, in everyday application it's not bad. But the word sport and CVT shouldn't never be used that. in the same sense. No, but they were going to use CVT for Formula One. I think it was Williams. That would have been. They were going to, and then they, they did. didn't. I think it was too competitive. Well, and there was Subaru had a CVT for WRX, didn't they? As well. Well, they do have. Yeah, it's also not great. It's the best of the of them, but it isn't great now. Yeah. Right. Um, touching to motorsport, a while ago ABB Formula E had revealed their new car for the 2017 and 18 season. 2018 and 19 season, sorry. Um, and the big thing about it is that it's got more capacity, so they're not going to have to swap over anymore using two cars for one race. Um, yeah, and you were talking about the styling. Yeah, look, I've got two things to say about Formula E, and well, certainly compared with Formula One. So I think this car looks great, looks phenomenal, but I, I, I blame Formula One and their previous administration for the fact that Formula One cars don't look like this already. Yeah. I mean, they're supposed to be the pinnacle of motorsport. So, you know, they, they're kind of leaving the door open for Formula E to get exciting in terms of the design and the tracks. So, I mean, why isn't Formula One going around New York uh, City Centre like the Formula E guys are? I mean, maybe it's an emissions thing, but... You know, I, I think I blame Formula One for being a bit slow on the uptake and a bit, uh, a bit boring uh, in terms of their regulations. Um, so, you know, in terms of that, and also the halo looks much better in this design. But um, the other thing I'll say about Formula E is, you know, I was at the Goodwood Festival of Speed last year, mm. and there were so many incredible pieces of machinery going up that hill, and every one of them sounded phenomenal. Yeah. And then Nick Heidfeld came past in a Formula E car, and it was the the, the least <laughs> thrilling thing I've ever seen. It just well, worked. Or well, I didn't hear a thing. But I mean, it, it, he was quick, and I think that he holds the record for going up the hill. But it's dull. 
So, you know what I mean? So that's Formula One's problem too, is that the cars don't sound good. So Formula E certainly doesn't sound good. So it'll be interesting to see whether in the future they engineer some kind of sound into those things, because otherwise it's just like watching scaling tricks. Uh, look, I, I would, as a race fan, um, I must say I'm beginning to watch this with more and more interest now, especially with the new design of the car and there's some, uh, you know, some heavy hitters in the in the motor industry are now participating from from this from this season five. Yep. So you know you'll have the likes of, of uh, Porsche, Audi, BMW, BMW uh, Jaguar in there, Mahindra, yeah. um, not that they're heavyweight yeah. in terms of motorsport. I think financially. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of interest in this. Um, I think I'm saying he's been in this one as well. They also want that interest in it. Yeah. So. The, the one thing that this does is give you close racing, and I'll take close racing over whatever a car sounds like. And if, if, if close racing on TV is great, but these guys aren't getting people to the track. Well, neither is Formula One because yeah. they're going to all these tracks in far off places. But I mean, last season the, this this championship was decided on the very last race. The last two yeah. championships have been decided on the last race. So it's, it's close, and mm. they're, they're bigger names in there as well. And the Heidfeld's one of the drivers, and Lucas Degrassi, we know him. So it's developing. Um, I, I, I find myself kind of torn. I, I look back at the glory days of, what well, I think of the glory days of Formula 1, of Senna and Lauda and all the PK and all those guys and how the cars looked at. I mean, those are brilliant looking cars, mm. that, 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 that Brabham BT52 and Lauda's um, 312 T2 Ferrari. Um, I think, geez, I wish Formula 1 would be like that. Then I look at this and I think, geez, actually, Formula 1 should actually look like this. No. But don't you think there's a gap for Formula 1 and Formula E to, to integrate? So the car should look like that. They should still have a petrol engine, but then mm-hmm. have the, the hybrid technology. They should race through the streets of Rome and New York. They should have all the big name drivers without the attitude. Um, that, that's, for me, where the answer is. Well, you can just go and watch MotoGP. Oh, will MotoGP. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I think... If I was Liberty Media who owned Formula One, I'd be looking at this very worried mm. because clearly Formula One's naturally or internal combustion engines for Formula One, their days are numbered. I mean, it might be 10 years, it might be whatever, but it, surely those days are, are soon to be over given where automotive technology is going. And they have got a massive jump, these Formula E guys ahead. I mean, even Bernie Eccleston, but I mean, he's probably some sour grapes. Mm-hmm. He's been muttering in the press in the last couple of days that. Uh, um, Formula One should be looking at all electric drive trends. Oh, sure. Surely he muttered his whole life. Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, I would agree with that. I think this is a massive threat. Uh, I think the car looks great. I, when I think about sound, I have to agree with Steve as well. I think competition comes before sound. Like if you had Goodwood Festival, then okay, sound mm-hmm. comes into play. But if it's close cut racing, Again, the sound would be more of a benefit. There. Again, so if you're watching it on TV, then the sound doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah. You weren't close enough racing. Mm-hmm. But surely, surely the aim of uh, series like Formula One and Formula E to get spectators to the track, mm-hmm. and then that's where it becomes. Uh, no, but, but what I'm saying is, I think close racing will get spectators to the track. Or sound. Yeah. Yeah. Do Maybe they should put a plane card in this thing's wheel. <laughs> <laughs> well, they could just pipe in sound directly up to, to, to your, to your TV. Yeah. Yeah. Just put on headphones and then listen to the sound. Maybe the future is VR, anyways. You put a VR thing and you can be in the, with the, driver. the driver's seat. You never know, it could probably go there. Um, you heard it. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, you McLaren came up with the idea. For all electric MotoGP, do you think that's a thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I just think the motor, like Ian. I mean, I don't watch it over weekends, but Ian reminds me on the Monday morning. Show me some highlights. I mean, it's just another level. The guys, yeah. uh, what the riders do on the bike is such a big part 
of how they perform um, how they drift those bikes so that's for me is on a, another level I've got more respect for them Aren't there, isn't the FIA trialing a, an, an e-bike um, championship? Yeah, certainly. I think there are some e-bikes around. I don't know about the championship. No, they are looking at a pricing formula. Yeah, they're really. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Well, yeah, that's all we have uh, time for for today. Thank you for joining me, guys. Some good discussions, and we will see you again next week.